LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins. Today, I'm here with Daniel Lim. Hello, hello. And a very, like, I feel like we've met before. I'm pretty sure we met before, but it was like, man, probably 15 years ago. And so it was incredibly, incredibly memorable. I know I can tell <laughs> that, that I had, I made quite. No, we had to. So I was at McLean. We had a, a deal there called Frontline. And the person you're hearing is JP. Yeah. Jonathan. Buclu- How do you say your last name? I, that's why I said JP. <laughs> that's yeah. why other people oh. say JP. If you look at it, it's, it's just like it's spelled Pocluda. So Jonathan Pocluda, I'm so excited to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me. Fun to make new friends, one of whom I may have met 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. You guys are both memorable to one another. So. I, it had to be there because we met all the and, and it took um, uh, the last time I was uh, at your uh, former church, um, it, you know, we, we were going back and forth. We were all like, how do we know each other? And then we finally figured it yeah. out. Yeah, and it was back then. Yeah, church, church world is it's a small world, as as you guys have found out. So I'm excited to be on with guys and talk about leadership, man. Thanks for thinking of me and for having me on. Fantastic. Well, so we have a mutual friend, John McGee, who uh, does the marriage ministry stuff at at the porch, well, at Watermark. Uh, and I've heard so yep. much about the porch, the porch ministry, and and I know you used to. That's where you were. And how long were you there for? 12 years. 12 years. Okay. So in leading that, and recently you moved over to Harris Creek to be the lead pastor there. So we'll get into some of that transition. So that's JP, uh, in case you recognize his voice from the podcast, he also wrote a book called Welcome to Adulting. So give us a snapshot of the book as well, because I've I've heard a ton about that as well. Um, I haven't read it yet. It is on my to to read list, but give us a little snapshot of that and, and then we'll get into the questions. Yeah, so it's Welcome to Adulting. The subtitle is probably more clarifying in navigating uh, faith, finances, friendship, and the future. And so it's a coming-of-age book uh, for believers or and non-believers alike, but it is a Christian biblical worldview. And uh, basically, for the past 12 years, I've got to lead in this ministry, The Porch, that has become, uh, by the grace of God, and I, I mean that, I, you know, it sounds like false humility, but I mean that, uh, the largest, to the best of my knowledge, the largest young adult ministry in the world, mm. and it has 14 campuses around the country, the, the first and primary one there in Dallas, Texas. And so in doing that ministry and leading in that ministry, we've got to meet uh, over, uh, I would say, hundreds of thousands of young adults, got to see into the lives of thousands and thousands and thousands of young adults and would watch them make uh, some of the same mistakes that would lead to the same consequences and some of the same choices that would lead to life. And so, so much of ministry is just pattern recognition. So much of leadership is pattern recognition. I would start to write down those patterns and say, wow, when someone dates this way, it goes well. When someone dates this way, it goes poorly. When someone manages their finances this way, it goes well. When they manage their finances this way, it goes poorly. And, uh, and obviously not absolute law, but just more general observances, uh, observations rather. And so as I wrote those down, uh, it became a book it turned into welcome to adulting. And so it's just meant to be helpful. I didn't know that it would be the resource that God has allowed it to be. And, and the, my favorite feedback from the book, and my favorite emails to read are, man, I read it and that was really helpful. It helped me in this transition. It helped me in a dating decision. It helped me in a career decision. And, uh, and so that, that spurs me on and, and it's encouraged me. I have, a, I have another, I'll just say this quickly, another yeah. one, a, a supplement to it coming out 
called uh, Welcome to Adulting Survival Guide. And so it's a 42-day devotional uh, that I I read last night and I'm incredibly excited about. So That's fantastic. Yeah, man. I mean, the Welcome to Adulting, even with just the whole trend toward extended adolescence, right? Um, It's just, this is such a timely book. It's such a timely book that I've just, it's blown up. I mean, it's just so cool to see uh, the impact that this, this has had because it really is timely and it's something that's going on right now. So thank you for investing in that uh, and, and taking time with our listeners to answer their, our five questions. My joy, man. Thank you for asking the five questions and, and let me talk about that resource that I'm excited about. Awesome. All right. So who are you currently learning from? So that can be books. It can be conversations. It can be just about anything. Yeah, man. I, um, so I would just say one of the biggest influences in my life is a guy named Todd Wagner and Todd is the senior pastor of Watermark. And, uh, I would say one of the greatest leaders of our day, uh, I'm, I'm confident I'm biased, but I have seen, you know, in, in ministry as, uh, leading people, you have to be a student of leadership. You start to read Lencioni books and, and leaders, Maxwell books and leadership books and podcasts and Ted talks and all of those things. Uh, he is one of the greatest, or I'll just say he's the greatest leader I've ever encountered, Hmm. uh, firsthand. And I believe one of the greatest leaders alive. And so I'm always learning from him. He's a guy that I pick up the phone and call, Hey, what would you do here? Hey, this is the situation I'm in. Uh, help me here. And so I, I would have to say him first. And, um, and then secondly, uh, you know, there's several books I read. I just, I just read, um, uh, a praying life. And so, you know, that's, I think prayer is such an important part of leadership. Mm-hmm. There's a pastor here in Waco that I've been really impressed by. And, uh, he has shown me kind of a different style of leadership. He's a very different guy than Todd. Um, and he, he is really a, a pastor to pastors, uh, where I, I would say, as I think about my friend Todd, he's, he's a modern day prophet. And in that, in saying that, I don't mean he's, he's fortune telling or even future telling, but, but truth telling. And, uh, my, my friend John Durham here in Waco, Texas has just been so welcoming and kind and availing of himself. And he has a very different leadership style that has encouraged me and, and, uh, and is someone that I'm learning from a lot too. So I've, I've been getting as much time with him as I can. He leads uh, Highland Baptist church here in Waco. And, um, and so outside of that, you know, reading articles, uh, reading books on occasion, I, I'm not a huge reader, which I know they say readers are leaders or leaders are readers. I always say not this leader, uh, <laughs> this, this, this leader is a listener. And, uh, so, so do you listen to podcasts too? I do. I, I do. What I mean, I, I listen, I listen in a lot of sermons, like okay. a, because I'm an audible learner, yeah. I'll, um, I will listen to preaching and just that sometimes that's my commentary. And so I migrate toward guys that have an affinity for guys who teach the Bible exegetically. So Tommy Nelson and Denton is, uh, I believe one of the bi- best Bible teachers. That's my opinion alive. I'll listen to Tim Keller, uh, some of Piper, uh, you know, uh, I'll listen to Matt Chandler, um, the, those guys yeah. as well. That's good, man. That's and good. Five, a podcast. I listen to this morning, five minutes, church history. Um, so Bible recap, <laughs> you know, love that. Love that. So, uh, so JP, the, the second question is, um, 
who's what's the main point of emphasis for your leadership team right now? And 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 as you answer this question, I guess the uh, I think about the time we reached out to you was when you left the porch and you moved over to to Harris Creek, and it's been probably about a month or two since we've had this scheduled. So tell us, I'm, I mean, talk to us about that transition before you address the question as to what is going on right now with your team at Harris Creek. Yeah, talk to us about that entire transition from the porch to Harris Creek. What was going on with you guys? If you had envisioned it, yeah, just everything around that. Is this is this a joke? I, I told you <laughs> not to ask me that question under no circumstances. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I, he, he asked beforehand, and I said absolutely. I'd I'd love to. And so, um, man, I mean, it's it's been a wild journey. So there's and there's really three fields to think about. And so the porch, as I said earlier, it's this ministry that's kind of grown, uh, you know, within watermark, it incubated within watermark. And then it grew beyond with where these people with technology and Apple TVs, they just started turning on the porches at churches around the world. And we were really trying to get our arms around that. And mm-hmm. so that's grown into like four, 14 formal campuses and partnerships that will turn the porch on, um, on a Tuesday night and then pastor around it. Uh, that you'll have about 4,000 young adults there in Dallas, another large campus in Fort Worth and another large one in Houston. And then, and then, you know, 11 others. Um, and then, so that's kind of story one. Uh, I was, I've been doing that for 12 years and then I became the campus pastor and co-leader of Watermark there in Dallas. And, uh, that meant, you know, managing and leading a staff mm-hmm. of 150 people in addition to the the preaching responsibilities on Tuesdays and then the weekend services about 30% of the time. And, uh, so I was doing that. And then, you know, this, this church in McGregor, Texas near Waco reached out and, uh, they, they said, you know, Hey, would you, we're looking for a senior pastor. Would you consider? And you're like, nope. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was like, I'm not even, I don't even need to pray about that. And they said, well, would you, and I said, sure. I mean, I guess I'm supposed to say I will. And so I will. <laughs> and, and I, I did, you know, flippantly, it was just like, you know, God, I know that that's not what you want, you know, cause I know what you want. Hmm. And I came down here and taught one week cause they, they were looking for supplemental teachers. And I, even that I was like, I can't do, uh, but they said, could you do a series? I said, I really can't like the schedule's completely full. They said, well, could you do a, a Sunday? And I said, I'll sign in for one Sunday. And so I came down here and it was great, you know, beautiful people, amazing church, you know, God's at work. He's doing something really amazing in Waco right now. And, uh, but, uh, that was interesting. I'm, I'm just going back to now where I'm called to, to lead young adults and, and the church at Watermark. And, um, on the way back, my, uh, 10 year old, we're driving back to Dallas from Waco. And my 10 year old says, daddy, of course you've got to go lead that church. <laughs> really? And I'm like, and I'm like, why Does she would you know, say that? Does she know that they had asked you to candidate? Yeah, they, we were, Monica and I were talking about it almost like in a, you know, we were just like, okay, so we know we're not supposed to do that. And she just is from the back. She's like, of course you've got to go do that. And I said, why would you say that? And she said, because they don't have a pastor and you're a pastor (laughs) and water and watermark has lots of pastors. (laughs) Wow. And And that, I mean, that was just her deductive reasoning. And, uh, and, and it was so clear and it, and I just was like, it just became this rock in my shoe hmm. that when I, from then on I would go to pray, I would like, okay, Lord, I don't think that's what you want. And I would just hear my, my 10 year old's voice saying that. 
And, uh, and so then, you know, immediately, and I had already talked with the elders because anytime if, if even a church reached out, I would, you know, Todd would be my first phone call. And so I went to them and I'm like, man, the, I, the Lord may be doing this. And my wife was from here and God had just given us a heart for the city. He, we, you know, and in the midst of all of that, it was just yeah. like, okay, I think, I think this is what we're supposed to do. And, um, and so we started walking this way and begging for him to, to shut doors. And so in the context of your question yeah. on leading, it's really changed. The whole context has changed for me from a staff of 150 to a staff of 15. Yeah. It's, it's all changed overnight. And there really is a, a, um, where the 150 I'm, I'm taking on so much of the leadership foundation that God had built through Todd. And I'm, I'm repeating things I've heard over and over to, uh, keep the momentum, keep us going. And here there's some of those things are new. They're being heard for the first time. And so right now you feel like a broken record. Like I think, I think you're leading well when people are making fun of you for saying your values so much that they're making fun of you behind your back. Like, Oh, we know, you know, uh, we want to keep short accounts. We know, we know, we know. And so as you're saying that, and they're making fun of you, that probably means you're saying it enough. Mm. But, uh, that's, that's what I'm doing right now is, is determining, okay, what does the staff need to hear? Where, where do we need to keep going? Where, what do we need to stop doing? And what do we need to start doing? And kind of running everything through those three questions. All right, what do we need to keep doing? What do we need to stop doing? What do we need to start doing? And, um, and with the keep, with a keep doing and start doing, it's a lot of vision, a lot of repetition, a lot of saying the same things over and over and over. Yeah. Are, so are you meeting with those, uh, with those existing people individually that are on staff and any key leaders at the church or how are you going about that? I just, so I've been here three months just to paint a picture for your listeners. Uh, I've been here three months and I just started this week meeting with the executive team, which is kind of their management team or their leadership team, right? their ministry team. Uh, I meet with them individually now. We were meeting all together um, collectively and now I just said, hey, let, why don't I get just touch points with you one off so I, I can kind of, we can focus more on your ministry specifically and you don't feel like you're wasting other people's time. I don't think you are, but I think you might feel that way. And so let's go individually uh, for the foreseeable future. And then I meet with the entire staff once a week for uh, probably about two to two and a half hours. And we call that staff prayer. And there's a part of that time that is prayer. And this is just a model that I've stolen from Todd because we did it at Watermark. And so we come in a room, we worship, um, we pray, we celebrate. Uh, and then they'll, they'll present a challenge to me like, Hey, this is the challenge that we've bumped into this week. And, uh, and we'll kind of role play that like, Hey, this is how I would handle that challenge. And, uh, we will, I'll ask them, Hey, what are you lean, learning in God's word? And so I'll have them preach to me for a little while, which is just them sharing what they're learning in God's word. And then who have you shared with? Uh, what is a, what's a story? You guys share stories of people that you've gotten to lead to Christ or, or have, um, uh, you know, present the gospel, uh, to people. And so that's, that's really what that time looks like. It's and just a lot of week? celebrating. That's every single week, every Tuesday at nine fifteen. Okay. Okay. Wow. So, so, I mean, how did that work? If, if you learned that from Todd, how did that work with, you know, a crazy big staff then? With a, with a, with a big staff, you know, yeah. at a watermark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, Wait, or was it just within the executive team that you guys did that? No, we would come, we would, 
no, 150 people would come into a room every other Tuesday. Yeah. And then, uh, 250 people would come into a room every other Tuesday. And so what the difference is, is Watermark has, uh, four campuses or had four campuses when I was there. And then all, so all of the campuses would come together every other week and Todd would lead it. And then when it was Dallas only every other Tuesday, I would lead it. Yeah. And it, but we, but it's, it's everybody. So it's a big circle Yeah, and it was really doing a lot of the same things. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. But on staff, staff of 15, you can't hide, you know? So if you haven't read, (laughs) if you haven't gotten the word or you hadn't shared your faith, you know, you're going to, you're going to stand out easier. Hmm. What, What do you feel like at Harris Creek that's done to the culture thus far? Man, it has, I think there's a a culture of authenticity and sharing. I've just, I've just talked about, you know, uh, one of the things that I repeat over and over is we don't talk about people, we talk to people. And so there's, there's this 24 hour rule that we've implemented. And so if I say something to somebody about somebody else, uh, they need to challenge me to go to that person within 24 hours. And if I don't, they're going to go to them. And so it's, it's really just a, it's a zero tolerance for gossip and, um, we don't need to vent. We don't need to like brainstorm closed door conversations. We're just, we keep, we, we keep talking to people. And so that's created a, a safe place, uh, because it's a really unsafe place for gossip. And, uh, and then I think it's just, a that we're doing a lot of celebrating right now because yeah. God has maintained this church. And so there is a, a lift and I, I, th- I hope morale and I mean, they were, they were without a pastor for a year and, um, you know, here we are. And so I, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of, a lot of good things happening in our midst and a lot of celebrating and uh, the staff is, is catching the vision. I mean, evangelism is happening right now where mm-hmm. over the past year, I don't, I don't think that happened a whole lot. Um, we did, five baptisms this past weekend, kind of impromptu, uh, which is, you know, just fun. Uh, it's fun to celebrate and have people share their stories of life change. And by impromptu, I don't mean like in the moment, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't something we planned, planned oh, that's awesome. months either. That's awesome. That's awesome. So when you look at your everyday life and you look at your everyday leadership, what are, what are one or two things that you absolutely have to do every day other than of course, spending time in spiritual disciplines. Yeah. I just, I just wouldn't make that so assumed man for, cause for a long time, I'll say two things for a long time. I, I didn't do that. And, um, and what I've learned is there's a lot of people in ministry that don't do that. And so what I'm, I'm picking on specifically aside from, you know, of course, the spiritual disciplines, because one of my thing, probably the first thing I would say, and, and what I mean by, let me clarify, when I say for a long time, I didn't do that is it just wasn't regimented. I would get it in where I could. I didn't think it needed to be first thing. I'd heard people say there's wisdom around that. And I just kind of scoffed and, and, uh, you know, different seasons, kids were young. And, um, and I think I hit a wall two years ago. Um, I don't, I don't think, let me restate that. I hit a wall two years ago. And from that time on, I realized the importance of every single day, starting in solitude with the Lord, uh, praying, um, and reading and, and the prayers were not this, you know, kind of praying without ceasing, if you will, but very intentional, very pointed. I would work through prayer cards, which I actually 
got from a praying life, that book, Paul Miller. Um, and, and so that focus I think is the most important thing that people, leaders in ministry at least can do. And I really think, I mean, believing leaders, Christian leaders in whatever they are, corporate America, uh, whether that's a fortune 100 company or a smaller firm, hmm. I believe they're going to need to start, you know, lightning McQueen said it best. That's right. Disney <laughs> reference. My son loves you know, you. cars. Yeah. To go, to go fast, you got to go, you got to go slow to go fast. Yeah. And, uh, this is this Sabbath rest idea, this, this, uh, resting and refocusing. And I think we have to do that. And Romans 12, one and two says that, you know, uh, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so this renewal of the mind that's happening on a daily basis. And so that's, that would be something that I think that, uh, all leaders need to do. Hmm. I would say, you know, find out where you're learning from. What are those, the inputs, uh, the influences in your life? Like you guys asked in that first question, then making sure that that's turned on, uh, a question that I think a lot of people don't know the answer to that I ask is, Hey, what makes you love God more? And a lot of times people will say, well, you know, reading the Bible, going to church, you know, praying. And I'm like, man, that's great. That doesn't make me love God more. And so th those are, those are things that I do out of discipline. It's like going to the gym for me. It's hard. I'm not, like I said before, I'm not a natural reader. So I do that because I know it's necessary, but the things that make me love God more are like being in nature, taking a bath, um, you know, listening to really good music, that kind of stuff. And that's when I feel close to him. And so I'm going to make sure that I do a lot of that and everybody needs to have a death grip on what that is. And then you also need to know what distracts you from him and, and stop doing that. And so I think that, I think those, that, that first matrix I talked about, the keep doing, stop doing, start doing mm -hmm. is a really important matrix of leadership for all leaders to consider, Hey, what are the things I need to keep doing? What are the things I need to stop doing? And what are the things that I need uh, just to start doing. I love that. So those are some thoughts. Feel free to ask questions or I can, I can keep going. I mean, yeah. 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 So, so what caused you to realize that about yourself, um, in, in, you know, digging into the word and, and in the necessity around that? I mean, cause obviously you, you, you likely knew about it <laughs> and knew the importance of it, but what caused that shift for you? Uh, and really, I would say, yeah. I would say, a breakdown of sorts, you know, okay. some call it burnout. I mean, uh, you know, anxiety, I would say for the first time crypto in my life, I was, I was teaching like crazy. The book had, was coming out. Um, the speaking stuff had way increased and the uh, you know, platform was growing all this weird stuff where the world meets ministry. Like when I got into ministry, man, it was, it was all costs. At least it felt that way. I mean, I was leaving a six figure successful job and, in the, you know, the Lord called me into vocational ministry and it was just like, I knew it. I was, I was going there making a, a lot and it just like, or it, it just felt like all cost, but it yeah. was so, I was so sure. Right. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody was asking me to be on their leadership podcast. And it just, I'm in, a, I'm setting out chairs and loving Jesus and helping people love Jesus. And it was pure, mm. but then, but then, um, you know, the, I guess ministry success happened and, you know, people start following you on Twitter and Instagram and, and asking you to speak at their conference and, Hey, will you write this book? And, uh, and, and the busyness kicked in and you start thinking, 
or I don't even know if you consciously think this, but you start relying on your giftedness. And, um, when it was your weakness, you know, his, his grace is sufficient, his power is made perfect in our weakness. It's our dependence and our weakness that got us in ministry. And then we think it's our giftedness that's going to keep us there. Wow. And really it was like, a re, it was a return to dependence. And, and I'll say this, and I hope these thoughts are connecting because I think this is an area where theology is, is, I'm sorry, science is catching up with theology. Right now you're seeing apps like Headspace and meditation apps popping up everywhere. You're hearing terms like mindfulness and Headspace and uh, meditation. And these are, these are not new terms or new ideas. They're thousands of years old ideas or ideas that are thousands of years old, but they're just popping up in science. And, and God said this a long time ago. David wrote in the Psalms how important it is to meditate on his law day and night. And it's like honey, you know, it is sweet. And, uh, and so this idea of meditation, deep praying is uh, something that's always been asked of Christians but right now, even the secular world is catching on. It's like, man, we really need to do this, like stop and fill our minds and, and, uh, and, and do take part in deep meditation. It's a big thing in Hollywood right now too. Yeah. And so I, that's what I would say is what, what brought me to that end is, is the mercy of God, uh, which looked like, you know, some sort of burnout or a mental breakdown or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing. I'll so, share anything, man. Yeah. So ask, ask anything <laughs> for sure. No, I, I really... I really think that's a, that is a, a massive issue in a day and age where, you know, we, I think a lot of times we attempt or we think that we're um, escaping or relaxing by looking at our phone or flipping through a social media app. Um, but the reality is the opposite is true. And I think it, it is leading to more anxiousness and, yes. and anxiety. As a fact, I mean, you know, just to, to take that statement of, I think, uh, I just say as, as a fact, I mean, that all of the evidence, all of the, the studies say that we're touching our phone, you know, looking at our phone thousands of times a day, and it is, it, it is killing us with comparison. Um, it's giving us, social media has now given us a, um, a way to kind of gamify life and to count likes and followers and, uh, just the brain is producing dopamine as it would, you know, if we were shooting up heroin and there's an addiction there that we're, you know, creating a lot of times unknowingly. And, and so for sure it's created the most anxious generation that has ever walked the face of the planet. Anxieties at an all time high, depressions at an all time high, suicide rates are at all time high. And yes, our, our phone is a culprit. It's not the singular culprit, but it's, it's certainly one of the big ones. Yeah. So, so in light of that, how does that affect your parenting? I mean, what does leadership in your home look like? Uh, talk to us about that. What just paint us a picture as to what your home life looks like and, and how you're then addressing all of what we just talked about with the phone and all that stuff with your children. Yeah, you, you ask a very certain, a very uh, interesting question. It's like, how is that affecting your parenting? The, the phone thing uh, specifically, I don't think we know yet. And yeah. so I think this is a, a part of the success of TechWise family. Yes. Uh, I don't think we know how the phone is impacting our kids yet. And I'm, I'm becoming more and more mindful of just when they're talking to me and I'm sitting there musing on anything, be it Craigslist, which is kind of my vice or, you know, Instagram, social media, whatever that is. Um, 
I, I want, you know, or may, you know, sports center, ESPN, whatever that is for whoever, for your listeners, whatever's pulling us to that device and out of a right relationship with our kids, I think we need to proceed with a lot of caution. And, uh, you know, th- let me tell you this, the most, this will answer, this will be an answer to your question. I've given, I'm a, my love language is gifts. And so my wife's love language is acts of service, unfortunately. So they, you know, that, that happens a lot. She would love for me to mow the lawn and I would buy her anything, uh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. in replace of mowing the lawn. Yeah. And so I've given her a, a lot of gifts over the years. I mean, to, to, you know, a new car, um, a, a nice jewelry, whatever that is, I've given her a lot of gifts. Uh, the, the most, the most amazing response to any gift I've ever given her was one time I gave her a box, uh, with a lock on it and a slit on the top that my, would, my phone would fit in it. And I just said, Hey, when I get home, I'm going to put my phone in this box and you have the key. Hmm. And I mean, she wept, man. I mean, it was like $20 at home Depot and she wept. And, and I, in that I, I really saw something that, where I think ministry and our job was the adulterous woman. I think that is personified. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, yeah. that's no, even that magnified by, by the phone. Uh, you know, it's, it's wow. not just our job, generally speaking, but it is our phone. Our phone is the adulterous woman now. And so uh, what does leadership in the home look like? I think creating healthy boundaries, which I, I'm not always uh, succeeding at, but fighting at on the regular basis. Um, Another, another answer to probably several questions you've asked so far is, man, I've got a group of leaders in my life. And so like a board of directors, so companies are ran by boards of directors. I've got four guys in my life that I meet with on a consistent basis, on a weekly basis. Uh, I, I don't miss, uh, hardly ever, uh, unless I'm traveling, which I try to tr- schedule travel around it. It's that important to me. They are asking me hard questions. They ask me three questions every week. How'd you feed your soul? How'd you feed others and how'd you feed your flesh? And so that it's, you know, what, what did, what were the inputs? What made you love God more? Uh, who did you share with disciple teach about God? Who did you pour into? Who did you share the gospel with? And then that last one is confession. What did you do this week that you need to confess and ask prayer for? And they're asking me those same three questions every single week. And that is, that is huge for my family. Uh, my wife has their numbers. She has permission to tell on me, you know, like I, I've asked her to, she has an invitation. I'll say to tell on me, please tell them if I'm not being a good husband to you, tell me first, but then tell them if I'm not listening, um, tell them if I'm not being a good father, uh, it, or, or ask me to tell them. And so that is, uh, integral to me. My leadership in the home is really accountability. Yeah. How'd you find those people? Uh, they, they, well, it's a great question. 15 years ago, we got put into a community group through church and I hated them, uh, cause they were, <laughs> you know, I was an artist and a businessman and, um, you know, I was kind of everything wrong with Dallas and a person. I was this pretentious guy that wanted to be a millionaire before I was 30 and showed up in my pinstripe suit and Jaguar. And uh, this is pre-ministry by the way, if you mm. haven't put that together <laughs> and, uh, you never know, bro. And, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good, good clarification. <laughs> and, um, 
and the three and the three guys were all, all these software engineers that graduated from Texas A&M, and they all drove the same car, '92 Camry white. I'm mean, not even kidding. Like they all had the same car, and I like went and met with these guys. And I was like, I don't have anything in common with these guys. In fact, I called Monica on the way home. I was like, man, that was that was great, interesting. I'm not going to go go back to that. And um, but by the grace of God, I showed up again the next Thursday night, and the next Thursday night, and the next Thursday night. And God used those men to grow me and to challenge me and to make me a better husband, ultimately a better father, to change my career path, ultimately calling me into vocational ministry through those relationships. And now, 15 years later, we moved to Waco, man. We moved to Waco from Dallas, and one of those families say, hey, we're going with you. One of those okay. families, yeah, they say, hey, we're in. They don't even know Waco. They don't know Chip and Joanna. They don't, they, they, <laughs> they've they never they've never been to Waco. Like, they've only driven through. They've got no ties, no family, nothing. But they say, hey, if you're going to be a part of, if you're going to be a part of this movement called God's Church, we're going, we're in, we're going with you. And uh, maybe because they didn't trust us to do it alone. <laughs> no, That's I mean, incredible. just because they be- believed in the mission. And so it's crazy. And so that's how I found him was, was uh, potluck. And then we, there's been some attrition over the past 15 years. And so we've added some guys to that. One of those guys is a, a partner in ministry, Shane Bernard, who, you know, we, we've done the porch together now for several years. Another one of those guys is a, a partner in ministry, in ministry, John Elmore, who uh, leads one of the, the healthiest recovery ministries on the planet. Another guy, Mike Frizzell, who's one of the soft, one of the original software engineers, and then the Treadaways, Marshall Treadaway moved with us. Mm. And, um, and so, yeah, we, and now we're, we're rebuilding that here in Waco. That's awesome, man. Man, that's incredible. So um, our, our next question, before I throw it back to Todd, I know, so this is, this is becoming, I think we're officially maybe going to change the title to the five-ish questions. Five-ish. The five-ish, five-ish leadership ish questions. questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because um, before, before I hand it back to Todd again, I, I guess my question is, you know, you wrote this book, Welcome to Adulting. You've spent the last 12 years with The Porch. I noticed um, on your Instagram that you just started a new podcast, Becoming Something. Uh, so, and, and the, the podcast becoming something is, is on twenties and thirties and, um, you're really, I mean, you have that, I, I see that in your, uh, just in your calling and your experience and, in, in, in what, in, in, in what you are, who you're communicating to. So in transitioning from the porch to Harris Creek, um, campus pastor and leading the porch now to lead pastor of this church, how are you, how are you navigating this, this also this call to young adults? Yeah. You know, it's a, thank you for asking that. And then maybe you can help me figure it out because I'll answer your question with a question mm. or, or a question I'm wrestling with is I've wondered if it's young adults or millennials. Okay. And so when I, when I came onto the porch, I mean, they asked me to teach, which was a huge risk. Hiring me at Watermark was a huge risk. And, um, and when they asked me to teach the first time, really all I was bringing to the table was I knew those people because five years earlier I was in the same bars they were, mm. doing the same things they were, making the same poor choices they were. And so all I was bringing to the table was that I knew them and, and I had a little bit of an understanding of God's word, which grew over over the past decade. But initially it was just like, hey, I know, who, I know their struggles, I know where they're at, and I have a little bit of understanding of God's word. And so... So, yeah, I mean, I felt a real calling to millennials and, and kind of became, and if I, if I may say, I don't, this won't sound humble, but I, I, you know, I think it's true. A, a, an expert on millennials. I, it was my life, my adult, I lived my adult life studying 
this demographic, understanding their likes, their dislikes, you know, what they're called to. But, you know, then Gen Z shows up on the scene. And I think every leader has to, no matter where you are and what you do, you have to be finding someone better at you than what you do. Mm. Like you have to, like that's, that's the mark of a, of, of true leadership is what happens when you leave. And so I'm watching the ports closely today because I have a vested interest, even though I'm no longer compensated to be there and um, I'm no longer teaching and, and I mean, I have no real affiliation with it other than, uh, having done it for the past 12 years. I have a vested interest in the wild success of the porch. I really sincerely hope the best days are ahead of it. And so in, in, um, and I hope that, you know, David, uh, he's going to do a great job continue, you know, continuing to carry the torch. And I think he has to find, you know, this, this person who feels called to reach Gen Z who says, Hey, what I'm bringing to the table is I know this generation, I'm a part of them. And, uh, I don't think, you know, you have to know the gen, I don't think you have to be, Gen Z to reach Gen Z at all. But you know, that, that was, that was my story. That was my narrative. And so I've wrestled, uh, Daniel and Todd, you know, is it, is it a calling to young adults Okay. or, or is it a calling to, to millennials, a specific generation? And as I've, I mean, I've traveled, you know, to seminaries and churches around the country and, and talk to about how to reach the future of the church. Where I've written a book about that. That's coming out called, um, welcoming the, the future of the church of church, welcoming the future of church and trying to help the church reach the next generation. And a lot of the principles are transferable. I mean, I'd get to the end of the, the messages and somebody would always ask the same question or have the same comment. They say, but isn't that how you reach anybody? And I would just always be like, well, yeah, ding, ding, ding. absolutely. You know, you're authentic. You cast a big vision. You you deploy them. Yes, that's how you that's how you lead anywhere. That's how you lead in anybody in the church too. So, um, that's cool. I guess I guess part of the answer to that is we'll have to see, <laughs> right? Yeah. As as the years go by, and I, I guess you'll you'll know if it is a calling to millennials as millennials get older or, or if it is to young adults. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. Time will tell. Yeah. Well, thanks for reflecting on that. Yeah. My joy, man. I think what's interesting now is, and I can't remember Daniel, if I've talked about this on this podcast or the other podcast, but, um, it it is all the talk about revitalization. Hmm. Uh, that you hear and people concerned about reaching the generation and, and the next generation and they're always looking for a, a program. Um, at the end of the day, it really is, it is like you were saying, it, it's the same stuff. Mm. I mean, it may be done slightly differently, but if you want to revitalize your church, you got to revitalize your people and that's basically discipleship and development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, Absolutely. You start. You start with the people. I mean, people over programs. People. I mean, we're, we are investing in people. And I, you know, whether you're a preacher, a leader, you know, a, a minister. I mean, we're pastors. We care for people. And um, and if you're if you're in the world, the working world, the business world, the same thing is is your your leadership ceiling is going to be um, the the level in which you care for your people, pour into your people, invest in your people. So good. 
Hey, before we get into the next question, just a brief word from our sponsor. One of the greatest predictors of a disciple's spiritual growth is regular Bible reading. And that's why Lifeway created the Daily Discipleship Guide. This new resource in the Bible Studies for Life family contains content for a weekly group Bible study, but it also includes five daily devotions to reinforce what was learned in the group meeting. And that daily commitment to reading God's word helps create a habit that leads to discipleship. So download four free sessions of the Daily Discipleship Guide from biblestudiesforlife.com slash ddg. That's biblestudiesforlife.com slash ddg. Now back to the episode. Well, our last question I think fits really well um, with where we've ended up in the conversation. And, yeah, and that is. <laughs> You're probably the best one to answer this question to. So, so. no pressure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but what would you tell your 20-year-old self about preparing to lead? I would say I would go back to that, you know, the things that I kind of told you about that I'm doing every day is I would say the words of Solomon, there's nothing new under the sun and you're, you're not going to get by on giftedness alone. Um, if dependence is the goal. And so think about this in spirituality in in Christianity, God, the creator, God wants dependence from us and he wants us to rely on him and to trust him. And if dependence is the goal, our weakness is our advantage because it's our weaknesses that push us closer into him. Mm. And so, um, so don't, don't rely on your giftedness alone, but continue to, uh, start with the creator, uh, focusing your mind on him. And that's, what's going to make you a great leader, a person who cares about people, because think about this as a leadership podcast, think about how many amazing leaders there are out there that, that crash and burn violently, you know, I mean, in a really uh, catastrophic, huge, visual, public way. And, uh, and, and yet they were great leaders yeah. with great failures. What happened? And I think we just forget the basics. If I was talking to my 20-year-old self, I'd say, man, don't forget the fundamentals. Don't forget the basics. Uh, start every day in God's Word. Start every day in prayer. Uh, uh, to go fast, you got to go slow. And, uh, you know, understand rhythms and in li- life. Uh, understand seasons. And, um, and you know, l- look for... Uh, Look for the right rhythms. Make sure you work in the right disciplines. That's what I would I would beg that person to, to hear me on that. I love it. Well, thanks, JP, for your time, uh, for being on the podcast with us, for sharing from your experience and from your heart. Uh, he is Jonathan Pokluda. Pokluda. Nailed <laughs> it. JP. Nailed JP. it. JP. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, he is a brand new podcast, Becoming Something. Uh, and wrote the book Welcome to Adulting thanks for being on the podcast my joy guys I appreciate you thanks for the time and thanks for the questions the five-ish questions (laughs) five-ish awesome thanks 